This is a failed attempt at Nick Cage trying to save the universe. I thought there was some purpose to all this. Why don't I get this prediction if there's nothing I can do about it? How am I supposed to stop the end of the world? Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Nick Cage, the Nick Cage film podcast in which myself, Ben Pollard and my good friend Daniel Fisher watch and discuss a Nicolas Cage film every day for 100 days and today we're very lucky to have another guest with us and this is a particularly fun one because this is, we always record this remotely of course because of the times we're in and because it makes it a lot more practical to do a podcast every day through those means but I am currently staring into the eyeballs of the person we have guesting on the show today. It's my wonderful live-in partner and carer through this entire <laughs> operation. It's the wonderful Isabel Ryu. Hello. Hello. Welcome. It's nice to be here, I think. I can't believe you're letting him do this. Just as someone that loves him, I can't believe you're letting Ben do this to himself. <laughs> uh, I, I have nothing to say to that, really, because i am been putting myself through this as well. Oh, no. Yeah, you bring quite a unique perspective to this because you've been privy to... The unsung hero. I'd say over over 50% of, yeah. the, of the films. Yeah, a couple of them I've looked at the IMDb page and sort of ducked out <laughs> and just decided it wasn't for me. But a few, a few of them I've been looking forward to. Uh, yeah. With varying levels of success, you know, but... You always give yourself the, like first reserve option where you'll be like I'll start it with you but I might not be there for the end <laughs> yeah occasionally I kind of started on the sofa and then just slowly <laughs> you'll always be, you'll always be a bit nicer than just to say like this is bad perhaps to spare my feelings but you'll maybe say something mm. like I fancy a bath yeah. <laughs> or I just need some fresh air oh I just really realized I'm gonna finish my book just gonna, just gonna and then head that'll off. be it. I won't see you until no. the. Evening. It's like a really delicate code, isn't it? That you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, but I appreciate you're saving my feelings yeah. by not just going straight for it. Well, you're in the moment of the movie, you know. I don't want to like yeah. tell you it's bad when you already know. I was told that this is a film, uh, and t- today's episodes were going through 2009's Knowing. Am I right in thinking that you've mm-hmm. seen this before? This, this is a. Can we call this a favourite? Yeah, man, bloody love it. I watched it. <laughs> Loads of times. So yeah, when when we, it first came out, when I was first bringing up this project to you, you were one of the few people that went, "Oh, that means we're going to watch Knowing." <laughs> immediately you threw it into Weir, which I like. We're going to watch. Yeah, Knowing. you were going to watch this with me. That was a, that was a film I, I'd never even heard the name of, uh, but it's it's come up a few times since. This was not a film that I'd really heard anything about until we put online that we're doing this, and I got a load of messages about some of the obviously bad ones. Uh, I got one message from a friend of mine. Uh, who just said this is the worst film they've ever seen in their life. <laughs> wow. So I went into this with fairly, you know, low expectations. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've got to say, I think it's wrong. I think this is great. Mate, we, it was had, f- we had a great time. <laughs> we had a sick time yeah. watching Knowing Today with Nick Cage. Yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah, but I haven't seen it since I was probably about 15, so I kind of thought, oh, it probably is really bad. I've probably got myself <laughs> hyped up for something that is gonna really let me down this is such a weird film to be your favorite at 15 i don't think it's my favorite <laughs> of all of it. i don't know well 
it was because it, I think it was around Christmas and we definitely a Christmas bought film. A Sky Movies subscription, <laughs> and it was the only movie I liked on the Sky Movies that we had. Sure. So yeah, just just kept watching this one because uh, it was, was Christmas. It. I was watching this, and, and there was there must have been a moment maybe every ten minutes when I had to stop and just go. I can't believe I've not watched this before. This is so up my street. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the time through watching this, Isabel gave me a few bits like, I wonder what Dan thinks of this bit. <laughs> Because it's just wondering. It, it seems like well up your street. There was a few scenes that very much reminded me of you, mm-hmm. where Nick Cage is just getting absolutely blasted and oh, falling, yeah. tumbling down the conspiracy theory wormhole. <laughs> oh right, I wonder where you were going with that. <laughs> there was a moment quite early on with um, oh was it was it Caleb the the boy where he's son. yeah yeah so it's quite early on where maybe one of the opening scenes where he shows him with Cage and he's. His dad's trying to... Cage is trying to like give him a hot dog for some reason. His son's way more interested <laughs> in just telling him about the planet's potential aliens and then just laughs in his face as he's now a vegetarian. And I was like, this is, this is me. I love it. <laughs> I love everything about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely backing Caleb. Do you want a hot dog? I'm vegetarian and there are aliens, yeah. Dad. I don't have time for this. I'm going to watch National Geographic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you swapped out Geographic for Treasure. That was literally me. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about knowing. Obviously, Isabel and I watched this a few hours before you, so we uh-huh. have watched it together. So we've chit chatted a lot of the way through it. So I think it'll be cool to hear your take on the film, Dan, and what happens, and then we'll we'll jump around from there. Mm-hmm. There's both a lot to unpack and not much at all. Yeah, and I think that's why I like it. It's a really deep film that doesn't really scratch the surface of what it's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's and let's just jump very slightly. Well, a lot slightly ahead. This film has one of the biggest left turn endings I've seen in a long yeah. time. That's one part of it I did not remember. How could you forget? I kind of remembered about ninety percent of it, and I knew something big happened at the end. But I was like, I can't remember what exactly. But I know there's something. The film really leads up to a, a very a cataclysmic event where you're left thinking, God, how are they going to get out of this? And then the writers go, shit, how are we going to get out of this? (laughs) Well, that's something that I do want to talk about in a bit, but let's quickly go through the synopsis of this. So essentially, uh, Cage is playing some sort of, I think he was like a professor at MIT or something, some sort of space professor, we'll call him. I don't know what the technical term is. (laughs) Professor John Kessler. And there's, I mean, no point does he really show off just how much he thinks that's a badass job title where he shows his astrology license to someone like an FBI badge. I I couldn't get over that as if anyone was supposed to take it seriously. Don't worry, I'm an astrologist. Don't worry, guys, I'm a teacher. Astrophysicist, actually. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) But yeah, so he is a widow as his wife has died previously. Um, So this all kind of sets up to begin with and you kind of learn a bit about him. No one cares. Let's crack into the story here because this is where it really picks up. So we see uh, a girl called Lucinda, and this is 50 years prior. 1959. Doing one of those... What what are they called when you like uh, like a time ta- time capsule? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at a school, and they're all putting in their visions of the future. We did them at my primary school, and it was literally just bang some things in a Tupperware and bury it. So theirs had a lot more ceremony to it. Mm-hmm. So you didn't predict the end of the world. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we don't know. It hasn't been dug up yet. That's true. That's oh true. no. I can't remember what I wrote in it. <laughs> So, who knows? It was probably just something like, Pokemon is wicked. Like, Ben loves Spider-Man. Kiss, kiss, kiss. (laughs) So, anyway, we kind of jumped forward a little bit there. But essentially, uh, Lucinda puts in this huge mess of numbers, which is later found by Nick Cage's son, who brings it home. And Cage decides he's going to dig into the numbers and 
here we go with the big conspiracy with what do they mean he Mm -hmm. discovers it through the 9-11 reference that it's an exact can you believe that on the same day our episode about (laughs) 9-11 came out he joins the numbers up because he writes down all the numbers it's like a sequence of like six or seven numbers and i saw 9-1-1 at the start and i was like (laughs) 9-11 and then he circles 9-11. I'm like, no. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he's on he to us. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, essentially he works out that these numbers are a code for a date, uh, a number of people that die on that day. And what he later finds out is uh, the coordinates or, or, or some sort of the, whatever the wording is for what the they are. The scene where he figures out it's the coordinates owns bones that bit was so <laughs> sick but all, considering nothing really happens in the first hour of this yeah like it's mm. just it's just you're just kind of trying to work out what on earth is going on and then all of a sudden mm. so he realizes it's the coordinates not by actually looking at them at all because i would have thought six digits after a while for you know an astrophysicist he might have yeah. tried, he might have gone down the route of that he even brings <laughs> a friend on board who's also like no idea. Got nothing. I love that he's just, he just, he realises because he's very conveniently at the exact coordinates, <laughs> at the exact yeah. time, when a, a plane just crashes literally next to him, mm-hmm. and he does, doesn't particularly react like there's a plane. I mean, obviously there's not one in real life, but it honestly, that, that scene just blew my mind completely. Mate, the special effects are so good in this film. Yeah, I, so I thought good. I was so impressed. For a 2009 film... This is legit. I'm into it. That, yeah, that's what that, I said. I don't too. know how they did that plane sequence. It's all shot like it's almost like news footage. It's all like one mm. shoulder mounted camera following Cage around. And obviously, they didn't wreck a real plane for that. Most of that fire is probably fake, but it looks so good. I, like, I was expecting mm. this film probably the same as you. Not went in with very high expectations. I think, Isabel, you went in with a bit of trepidation as well. Well, yeah. That, How did this age? But, mm-hmm. man, it looks great. Well, let, let's finish the synopsis there so we can actually dig into that. Essentially, he realises that uh, all of these numbers link up and they're saying how many people die each day until the very final one. And he realises that that is when everyone on the earth is going to die. Yeah. What a great yeah. film this is going to be. So let's start tearing it apart. (laughs) (laughs) That is about the point in the film for me. It does start to fall apart. Mm. And it's it's a cool reveal where they... He traces down... uh, Nick Cage's character tracks down the daughter of the girl 50 years ago who wrote the code in the first place. Code, for lack of a better term. He tracks down her family and she's about the same age and has a daughter the same age as his son. So it's quite a sweet thing going on there. But then they find their way to Lucinda, the girls from the beginnings, how she had many years ago. And they are unraveling the final clue. And that's when under her mattress, she's wrote everyone else loads of times. And that's when they figure out that the EE at the end of the code, which said mistaken for a 3-3. I'm really giving away all the plot here. Yeah, spoilers. (laughs) But that was a really cool moment because you're like, oh, damn, everyone's going to die. So I kind of got it when they said that the 33 and they said, oh, sometimes she writes it backwards. They're thinking, oh, EE. And immediately I was just like, everyone ever. And then I realised afterwards <laughs> yeah. that everyone everyone else makes a whole lot more sense when it was everyone's revealed. Everyone's phone who's on EE. <laughs> oh, nightmare. I'm gone then. <laughs> oh, see you later. <laughs> but yeah, th- what a, it's such a great reveal. And as you say, it's incredible. But then 
the film just slowly becomes its own worst enemy in so yeah. i feel like there might there was there seemed like there was such good vision for this for quite the majority of the film and maybe yeah. someone else kind of got involved at the end and been like we we need more that it can't i feel like this would have been great if they just went on with it and everyone just died and there was nothing they could do about it that then just becomes a great film to me I know that sounds very miserable, but the last possible thing you should be doing is just introducing aliens at the last second. At the last, yeah, literally yeah. the last 10 minutes. You can't just do that. That's not you okay. Just kind of drop them in. I feel like this film is just a victim of itself, just trying to be so unbelievably meta and like almost like a, a, a Shyamalan film. Mm. It kind of, kind of has that vibe to it where you, you're expecting the unexpected but then it draws you in to just expect it so much that it's no longer unexpected like it, it, that's definitely not what i thought was going to happen but i knew it was going to be something stupid like it, it just it, there was no way it could hold that level of intensity throughout and it's a real shame because i think for maybe an hour 20 an hour and a half i think this is a really great film great. I, I completely agree the pacing mm-hmm. is brilliant they they really off the back of next we watched yesterday which my opinions have been logged about where they don't really spend they don't give you any reason to care about this already really awful character this I felt like they really took the time to and credit to Nick Cage I think he's really good in this yeah I think he's good in this too actually he for the most part probably some of his best acting there's a couple of moments Mm. where I feel like he was kind of let down by acting against CGI but you kind of like there's a moment where he's just like flapping his hands in a fire that clearly isn't there and that, that moment at the end where he sees the aliens for the first time and he he drops to his knees, and it's the probably probably the worst thing I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> I, I've got to say that that bit just completely whipped, just ripped me off. I was like, no, like, I, I haven't even seen the aliens, but I already know this is about to be shit. But <laughs> quite right, it's it's acting against CGI, which perhaps isn't his yeah. strongest yeah. thing. At that suit, I mean, we're it's. <laughs> We're again jumping all over the map, but tomorrow we're about to see him completely in CGI as Speckles the guinea pig in G-Force. So oh, wow. Fascinating to know how that pans out for him. <laughs> I've not seen anything with him yet where he's been the voiceover. Oh, you've not seen the Ant Bully? No. Yeah, you know. I don't want to now because I heard you recording from the other room. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Doesn't sound too great. I would describe it as the third best animated film about insects. Oh, ants <laughs> being the first. Bugs Life is top of the pyramid. I've never even seen ants. In a series of films that I'd never watch any of them, it's the one that I'd watch last. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really raving review. Yeah. Um, ge- genuinely, I think Cage is pretty good in this. I think he's, at this point, he's got two kids in real life and him playing a caring father I I really bought into it he's like Mm. he had really good on stream is chemistry even the right word but but yeah the kid playing his son whose name is Chandler what's his last name he had a weird name Uh, Canterbury Chandler Canterbury Canterbury. (laughs) wow what a name he's gonna go far did did he do much after this do we know oh he's got Uh, he's got quite a I don't know, actually. He's, he's got 15 uh, credits for acting. Oh, yeah. nice little mm-hmm. mini-series there, Canterbury yeah. Tales. Oh, <laughs> fucking stop it. <laughs> that is a dumb joke. Oh, he, he played, he was in one episode of Fringe playing a young Peter Bishop. I can see that. Oh. There you are. You probably could, yeah. He's in that film, now. The Host. <laughs> what, the... Not because there's two The Hosts. The Hosts. Not no, the, the Bong Joon-ho the one. one. No, 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 no. The one that is... Uh, the film of the other book written by the woman who wrote Twilight. 
Oh, yeah, okay. And that's actually really good, too. I'm aware of that one. People don't really know about that about one, but yeah. But anyway. The real muck is that he's got one producing credit. Oh. <laughs> he's, a, he's a co-producer in 2012's Little Red Wagon. <laughs> wow. How old was he then? I don't know, but the fucking... The, the, the stones on him for that. <laughs> Just like... I'll, I'll do it, but I want a producer credit. Yeah, yeah. He made yeah, the knowing part. He was like, I'll bankroll this. I don't care. <laughs> so let's talk about a couple of... I, I don't want to get stuck into reviewing the film. We know that's not what we're here for. So why don't we review why on earth he would tear a whiteboard down off his wall rather than just typing up the numbers? Okay. When he's leaving... Yes. <laughs> it's the most over-exaggeration I've ever seen. He's surrounded by paper and a computer. And a whiteboard? You could just slip and wipe it off with your arm and then yeah it's gone just save it multiple times we both thought there was like a safe behind it or there was like a secret hatch Mm. and I was like oh a bit of intrigue he just yanks it off the wall yeah it's not like delicately taken off the wall he literally just tears it just clean off the wall for no reason well I think the reason is in the scene before we Mm. see him get so into a wildlife documentary he fills his glass of whiskey overflows the thing uh, and then presumably yeah. he had to finish it. Probably watching some of those, uh, some birds that he's into or something. <laughs> thinking, thinking about yeah, dinner. He finally got to watch that <laughs> Kung Fu Monkey documentary. Oh, no. he Ghost Rider. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't remind me of that. Speaking of yeah, Ghost Rider, yeah. did you clock the uh, the Ghost Rider uh, Christmas sequel with the burning moose? <laughs> <laughs> I did actually make a joke. I said he's yeah. moved on from lizards. Yeah. Why does this man want to set fire to animals in all of his I know, movies? He just loves it. What a weirdo. I forgot to send you a picture, actually. I actually found a lizard on uh, on my little walk today. No, you never. Oh. I, I did. And all I could think of was Nick Cave. I was like, if only I had some cigarettes on me right now, I, I could send the perfect picture to Ben. Obviously, I wouldn't. I with this little lizard. Oh. I'll save you ends, mate. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whiteboard scene just really was unbelievable. I just didn't understand yeah, that. Yeah, and he just throws all the books off the desk and it's like he's in such a rush to get it. Like, no one's going anywhere. Nothing's happening. Yeah, it's fine. Well, it is. Well, I guess you're right. But it he is doesn't know really it against... Although, like, does he? he yeah. yeah, he has no clue at that point. That's that's what was, I found so bizarre. The only thing he knows at that point is that 9-11 happened. Yeah. yeah. And this <laughs> man oh knows God, that better that than be... anyone. <laughs> <laughs> the audacity there. that he gets the numbers uh, shit I forgot the numbers for 9-11 0911 well, oh, ba- it's backwards for us isn't, isn't it 9-11 isn't it 9 he gets yeah 091101 there you go for the date mm-hmm. of September 11th I've told you about my 9-11 story haven't I when I was out in Texas and my friend took me out to a gun range and uh, it's just, just like, you know, we're like, oh, we're in Texas. It's something that you should do while you're here. I, I'm very anti-gun, but I was just like, oh, wh- whatever. We're with another friend who wanted to go. And I was like, sure, mm-hmm. maybe it'd be funny. We got there. I was really wasn't into it. It is fun. We, we got there and, uh, I mean, I, at this point, I'd been made redundant. So I was spending my redundancy money just legging it around America, having a laugh. <laughs> so I've got no idea what day, what time it is, what date it is. So I asked the guy, I was just like, oh, what's the date here? Because I know you guys write it backwards. And the dude literally just... just eyeballed the show me he goes it's 9-11 dude <laughs> and I was just like ah oh, fuck <laughs> I was like can I still have a gun <laughs> he was like yeah <laughs> after that he just kind of like just handed the gun over like well they, they put it in like a little box and I was just like I've never done this before and he just buzzed me through to the next room and wouldn't come and show me how to use the gun so I was just left in a room with a gun just being like well I think it's like an escape room where you might kill yourself <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah, I bet that happens to all sorts of people where they're planning their weddings. They look at the date September 11th and they go, oh, no, no, not that one, not that one. How about November 9th? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Why is November 9th looking so cheap? <laughs> like Let's book that one. Yeah. And then they go to write the invites and they're like, oh. Oh, no. Shit. Don't invite any of our American friends and we'll be okay. <laughs> Because they'll read the date wrong. Yeah, 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 sure. Now, you know me, Dan. You know I love a conspiracy here. This is rife. This Uh film burst huge holes in... No, it didn't even burst holes. It patched huge holes in my theory. So I speculated yesterday at the end of Next that that was, in fact, the last time we see... Wasn't Next a couple of days ago? Let me do Bangkok Dangerous yesterday. Sorry, you're completely right. Bangkok Dangerous. Yeah, because I didn't watch Bangkok Dangerous, but I did watch you Next. You did not miss out. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. That's completely what I meant when I, whenever I said Next. Yeah, uh, I, cl- I, I clocked it earlier, but I, I, I wasn't sure whether you actually, you meant Bangkok or Next. Interchangeable characters. Yeah, really. I mean, they both suck. One is a magician, one looks like a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Easily confused. So. Yeah. At the end of that, we see Nick Cage's character in the most undeserved act of heroism take his own life because he realises, oh, I'm the bad guy. So I speculated that that was our man. That was the end of Nick Cage on that timeline. However, it looks like this Cage, before he saw himself off, we're well aware that Cage gets lost in time at one point and he sees existence in its entirety play out before his eyes. So in doing that, I'm sure he would be privy to all sorts of tragic world events, both natural and otherwise, including 9-11. And, you know, he tried to be there to prevent that. Wait, that's maybe a bit of a crass joke to make, so I'll move past that bit. <laughs> He's like, I, I could stop 9-11, but they're going to pay me a lot for the film. <laughs> <laughs> really might need that. Yeah, I have a feeling I'm going bankrupt around then, going to need that Patriot dollar. <laughs> so after his time-travelling mandolin breaks, Nick Cage gets lost in time, as we well know. So in a heroic last attempt to right all the wrongs that he does while he has this job as an assassin in Bangkok Dangerous, he terrorises a girl in 1959 so that she can leave this time capsule breadcrumb trail for a new version of himself in the year 2009 to follow so that he can once again be the hero and try to save all these people and save the world. At least that's what I thought until we got to the end of the movie. This is a failed attempt at Nick Cage trying to save the universe. However, he does depart his son onto a gang of aliens to essentially become Adam and Eve and start the whole process again. This is another one of those scenes at the end where I was saying that this film just shoots itself in the foot. It just tries to show you too much. That ending should have ended like maybe 15 minutes sooner and it would would have been fine. It just didn't need all of those... I, I think I think those moments are far more effective with what you don't see. Yeah, I like the mystery of it. Yeah, this is the perfect example of why you don't show everything because this is horrible. It's really not the good. The aliens section kind of comes out of nowhere, really. You're mm-hmm. re- you're all the way through. You're sort of dropping hints, and we both clocked because we're sad people that this might be a city of angels reference here and i was like nick how are you recognizing that these aren't also angels they're dressed well, like budget them. matrix characters or it used to be at least well i i actually had this down i'm just quickly trying to find my note on this but about an hour in i decided that he was actually he died in the fire with his wife and that he's a guardian angel and that's why he knows all of this mm-hmm. That's where I thought this was going, and I was immediately annoyed. <laughs> I was not, I was not happy with with this ending that I decided on, which, which no one actually. Well, yeah, you're in luck because. <laughs> yeah, I was I was absolutely in luck because it turned out that ending was even worse. 
This is one of the few films where I was like, if everyone just died, this would be the great ending. Yeah, like yeah, I really think that would have worked better. I know I said that earlier, and that sounds very bitter, but it's it would have been such a like wow, that was a moment. But no, they just completely blow it in the last half an hour and just just cater to. I, I imagine it must have been some sort of film company's idea because no one. Yeah. yeah. The, the way that this is written before then shows so much more intelligence than just <laughs> what about aliens? Oh, it's aliens all along, so that explains everything and every plot hole we've had. Yeah. What? Excuse what? What if he was just in a coma instead? Yeah. Oh. Oh, None of what, it was all a dream. Genuinely, oh, God, it was all God. a dream would have been better. Do you think? Worked it next. <laughs> and I can't believe when he finally reunites with his dad at the end. Like, So he's been ignoring his dad for all this time because he, he's become some sort of atheist, it seems. Yeah. And his dad's like a preacher of some sort. Is this not the perfect time? You've got 20 seconds until the literal end of the world to rub it in your dad's face that God's not there and it's aliens. <laughs> yeah, although it might be God. That's though. the ultimate I told you so moment. I don't know if they're angels or aliens or what because at the end when they are like flying up, they have these big wings. I don't know if you saw that, but on the CG, Either yeah, kind of they were ambiguous enough, weren't men. they? I unfortunately saw it all. <laughs> But I think there's obviously a lot of the kind of uh, like um, religious kind of points to it. Mm. But that's why it was so strange that they were suddenly aliens because all the time they're leaving you this trail like they're going to be angels. He's a messenger from God, this kind of thing, and then just isn't. It seemed really undeserved. I think that would have been more interesting to yeah. be honest because Aliens is just a bit bait, isn't it? It's a bit like it's like they really wanted this movie to be a sci-fi movie. How how much did you think that Aliens were going to take uh, Nick Cage with them after his really convincing argument where he just looked at the guy and just says please but but I really don't want to die please and the guy doesn't even say no he just looks at him with like pity like mate you're gonna have to be better than that and he just doesn't yeah. even try it's it just 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 turns away and just walks off and it's like you you mm-hmm. that I, I don't even want to take your son at this point I don't want to save anything to do with you that was pathetic none of your bloodline get out of here it's so outrageous that all of this has just transpired right in front of his eyes and he's just like they're saying that only the children can go just, oh please yeah oh. Please? Oh, come on, mate. You'd be begging at that point. I yeah. Think you would just be like clinging on to your son. Yeah, you'd just be like, like, well, I'm coming with you. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. Yeah, that was a weird moment. Uh, listen, we've thrown a bit of shade at this film accidentally, or mainly the ending of it. I think hmm. the consensus is that we actually all have I think time. that's deserved. I still think this is a good Very film. Good or at least it's a fun film to watch. I'm not sure. The ending does kind of uh, dictate how I feel about this, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Like, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's a good film. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly that. I think it's a good film to a point, and then all of a sudden it just undoes a lot of the work it does. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I had a fun time watching it. I've I've got to say, I I thought I was going to enjoy it a lot more in that last half hour, and I could pinpoint the moment was exactly when Diana died. Oh, yeah. After she had done nothing for 20 minutes than just shriek the name of her her daughter and I was just like yeah. I, the moment she died I was like oh thank fuck for that Look, I'm, okay. I'm over this character it was such an unceremonious death though yeah it was a bit he literally he gets her like, oh. the second she dies and then he's like oh well the bye. angel of death yeah, and, and, and they, just, they just let him just climb into this strange ambulance mm. to just uh, he at no point announces who he is it's just oh this stranger's gonna come and just stare at this dead body right yeah, okay too much to think about at that point yeah. they don't care but did you notice as well Like she's literally been pronounced dead like 
and in the same scene that it's like quite a long shot and I'm not trying to have a go but you can quite literally see her breathing oh, oh really I actually didn't notice <laughs> we that didn't notice enough that. I was too busy looking at Nick's acting. yeah because obviously they, they've got like a, they've got her shirt rolled up to doing the, the CPR and the electric shocky things the defibrillators mm-hmm. and you, you, can, you can literally just see her breathing in and out <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was like and you're like oh she's alive like, great <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going to be another twist and I was just like oh oh it's not it's just bad acting yeah, yeah. speaking well, of bad acting Let's all huddle around and be nice to Nicky. Oh, <laughs> okay. that's that's a weird way to introduce being nice to him. So uh, I think for once, maybe, yeah, Ben, okay. I think it's maybe up to you to go faster. Um, let me think. I didn't write anything down. For, like I, I enjoyed this film. So as a result, I unfortunately didn't make a lot of notes. I kind of alluded to it earlier, but genuinely I thought him and his son's on-screen relationship was was really good. I thought it seemed really healthy and I could I got all the reasoning behind it that they're sort of close but also estranged. Like they've gone through this trauma together, losing someone really close to them. But at the same time, they uh, are the only people that each other have left. So it's sort of that every time I look at you, I'm reminded of her. But equally, mm. I need to be reminded of her by looking at you. And yeah, I don't wow. know. I thought it was... So So do you, do you think he's a good on-screen dad? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think it, he was. It felt quite real. Okay, I, I just wanted to run a couple of bits by you. There's a scene where uh, when we have the first plane crash where he is on his way to pick up his son, but then gets, uh, which he's already forgotten about, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I'm fairly certain he was drinking and then that's never introduced as to why he's then all of a sudden in the car driving to pick up his son. <laughs> but, but, you know, we're, we're going to let that slide. We're going to let it slide. I think, you know, good parents still. He's going above and beyond. He's going to drunkenly drive you know, regardless of the cost. He's going to get his son. I liked he didn't make any excuse. He just went, shit, sorry, sorry, I'll be there as quick as I can. Well, that's it. He just, just straight up forgot, which is a running theme. He also forgets his uh, son's presentation to begin with. But let's go back to that scene. In The great dad moment here is he gets stuck in traffic after telling his son he's going to be there in 10 minutes. Gets stuck in traffic, thinks, oh, I'm going to need to make a call. You know, you probably think he's going to let his son know that he's running probably pretty late. <laughs> No, society's going to organise a date. Yeah, you're yeah, right. that's true. You're right. That was a bit true. much. And then that's also gone to suggest he knows that there are people stalking his son. How many times does him oh. and Diana mm. leave their kids unattended in a car oh with a God. door yes. open? Right. That bit really annoyed me. Oh, it's when furious. When they go into the um, mobile home and they're like, they're asleep in the car. I'm sure they'll be fine. Just wake them up. It's black in the middle of the woods and my son is being stalked by men. This will be fine. And there's yeah, there's a scene where he's inside on a phone call and he sees his son go over to a car with strangers in and take something from them. And yeah, the only scolding he gives mm. his kid is just like, I told you don't do that. Go do your homework. <laughs> Shit, you're right. Yeah, yeah that... I, I feel like I, I know what you're saying and he does have uh, the, the chemistry between them is quite, it's interesting. I think it's acted well. Yeah. And I think that's more what you're getting at. Yeah. But I don't think he gets a free pass here at being a good on-screen dad. Uh, no, I think you're right, actually. But that's not his fault. That's the script at the end of the day. Uh, well, listen, we've got to judge the character and you're completely right. Yeah. I mean, he does. He, he quite literally allows his son to get kidnapped at one point. And let, let's not dress that as anything other than what it is when Diana literally kidnaps Nicolas Cage's son because he's yeah. too busy sanding down a door. Oh, that bit really <laughs> just dad annoyed stuff. me. Yeah, just neat dad. But I said at that point, he should have just waited for his own son to write it on paper. He didn't need to go and get a door because yeah, oh his God, son was right. already about to write it all out. He literally just stopped his son from telling him the answer. Yeah. yeah. And he just goes, oh, God, I've vandalised the school he's instead like, nah, and then nah, get I my son kidnapped. 
that's more exciting. It does lead us into one of the greatest bits of dialogue of the film between um, Diana and Abby and Caleb as well in the car, where she asks uh, the whisper people, how do they talk to you? And the answer being, of course, well, they whisper. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I was just like, yeah. that That might have been the moment for me where I, I just tagged out. I was like, that no. is about the exact moment, point, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. that point in the film. Uh, it's literally it where I just thought, this this is different writers. Yeah. This is not okay. Like the bit when they go in the mobile home and they find the, the writing under the bed and you're like, oh, okay, okay, this is going somewhere. And then it kind of just slightly spirals. And then, yeah, I think you're right. That moment where he gets the door oh, it's just, is it, the point where you're just like, ah. Oh. From that moment on, it's just nothing, all hard. Was like it, it just goes to complete shit. Yeah, like all of the dialogue, none of it makes sense. There's like, and I get it that you'd be stressed, and you know, there's not really a way to act conventionally in those scenarios. But even with the bits with Diana, when she's literally screaming, Abby's all I've got, and I was just like, but you're all gonna die, so you so, have no one, yeah. So, so don't worry about it, you'll be dead as well. Don't even stress, yeah. <laughs> don't even stress. Of, she, <laughs> she stresses so much, she kills herself, yeah, yeah. She doesn't even Dangerous die because striving. of the apocalypse. <laughs> And then her kid just is so nonchalant at the end. Well, she end. gets two rabbits, so... Ah, uh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, the albinos hook her up with more albinos. Which is weird un- and unexplained, but, you know... Is this film trying to say that albinos are aliens? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. Because there's just... I, apart I, from that, I don't know what the moral would be. Anyway, mm. let, let's quickly double back, because I still think we need to be nice to Nikki here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I tried, believe me. <laughs> I got immediately debunked. That's true. But this is it. I, a- I I genuinely enjoyed this, but I'm not sure I've got much to say. Mm, I do think he was good. I think this is one of the best acted ones I've seen so far. Because you're not much of a Nick Cage acting fan. No, I don't. I, he just doesn't quite get the vibe right for the words he's saying. Like he'll be saying. A sentence, and the way he'll be acting it is like the direct opposite of what he's saying, and it just wigs me out a little bit. Like Some of the line reads in this film definitely didn't do great. There's one where he's first chatting with Diana, who's the daughter of the original girl from oh, 1959, God, that... and it's going really well. Where they're mm. like, but how is my question? Yeah, because it's some of the worst chatting up I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, and, and another another moment of a great dad where he's literally using his son. As like as a wingman. See, I thought that was quite smart though. To be fair, because no, yeah, same. I went that. That's pretty smart move. It's quite realistic. Most films, he would just run up and be like, "You're, you, her, you're her I daughter. know you." Yeah, yeah. And then they'd be like, oh. "But that, and it's going well, and it seems like he's actually turning up the charm a little bit. And then all of a sudden, his wife comes up in conversation, and that's where he goes. Right, listen, I've been leading you on. I got, I got something else to talk about. The end of the world. <laughs> And yeah, oh, that's it. That she's talking about being a single parent, and he just says, <laughs> "Do you remember what he says?" He's like, "Yes, I know what you mean." I un- <laughs> he goes, "I understand like what you mean." It was so weird. It was so weird. Really weird. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, like I know, yeah, I know exactly." What I genuinely that's like. can empathise with that. I'm in the same position. Yeah, and he's he goes, like, yeah. "Yes, I understand what you mean." <laughs> it was like, very William what? Shatner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few bits, but on the whole, this film probably was the best out of the ones I watched for his acting. So you'd like to be in nice to Nicky and say, good acting? Yeah, I think so. I think that that's fair in in this scenario because this is probably the best that he has balanced his own acting style with conventional acting. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I do think that he was let down by a, maybe an unfinished script. I, I feel like a lot of this could have used a lot of fleshing out I don't know if that's just because of how I'm probably going to eat my words or say this, but how well thought out the first half of this film is in comparison to the the 
kind of the the, the, the ending yes, to this yeah. like the whole yeah. second yeah, half I, just I just feels like they just don't try to write it they feel like they just go oh the sun's exploding and everyone's gonna be you know that that's gonna take everyone's Dead. attention <laughs> so yeah. why would we bother writing any one lines mm, yeah yeah i know what you mean Dan, how do you want to be nice to Nikki today? Um, probably, um, I'm trying to think how, how I can really get this across, but I think, again, it kind of leans into his acting, but more into the kind of character. That I think this is probably the best liar that we've seen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he and, and you might be a bit taken back by that, because he's not... You don't really clock it at first, but when you really think about it, there's there's that moment where he quite literally learns that the son is going to kill everyone, and then it, it straight afterwards promises his son that he will never die. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't worry. I mean, don't worry. He's lying technically because. But he doesn't know this. He doesn't know the he doesn't know the alien twist. He literally he literally just learns, and he's completely now given all of his faith to this this selection of numbers. <laughs> and he's just learnt that it's leading and he completely is on board and believes that everyone on earth is going to die and then he goes to his son and says I'll never let you die <laughs> well mm. pick one it's a bit manipulative pick your faith you know <laughs> <laughs> pick a faith yeah I did, I did quite you can't like... be on the fence for the end of the world because <laughs> any film where you're writing a thing like this where someone's entire belief system has to change for one reason or another in the film I did quite like the scene where him and his his friend are uh, chatting at the beginning, his friend who's also an astrophysicist. Oh, yeah. And he's saying, his friend's like, this this can't be real. And he's like, I know, but like, they're all right. I, I thought it was quite a well put together scene where he's mm. like, I know this is stupid and I can't believe I'm saying this, but like, let's literally look at the information we have here. Mm-hmm. It, it's too convenient. And I thought his friend also acted quite well against that, that he played what I think a lot of people would be where you're just sort of in denial and you're like yeah. no no Nick you're, I know what you're like but uh, yeah enjoyable mm-hmm. anyway I think we've been plenty nice to Nicky it's going to be interesting to see how the professor stacks up against the treasure as we move into <laughs> cage match so I thought about this earlier and I thought this would be quite interesting if I step out of this, Ben, okay. and I'll take the reference. With both of you being there in the same room together, I thought this would add a fun dynamic to your relationship. Oh, great. Thank you. What I'm trying to do here is, for no reason at all, start an argument in your house. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> sure. Well, I don't... I have very little knowledge of this part of the... Oh, is that right? Podcast, if I'm honest. Well, well, get a load of this. Sorry. We're essentially going to top Trump style play off Benjamin Gates from the National Treasure, who, am I right in Ugh. saying he's the current champion, Dan? He is the current champion. He's a man you know as well as I, Isabel, as you sat through both those films with me. I don't like him. Didn't age as well as knowing. No. If we give, then, what was today's character actually called? Professor John Kessler. John. So, Isabel, if you're going to be in the corner of John and you're going to be trying to convince me on different categories, uh, the different kind of abilities that you think that John possesses, and Ben, I'm going to give you your favourite, Ben. Also, uh. <laughs> <laughs> So, it, it, seeing as you're... We'll, we'll let Ben go first on this, All right. just so you can kind of get an idea of what's going to be going on here. Uh-huh. So, we're going to start in the category of strength, and I'd like to know how you think Benjamin Franklin Gates is a strong guy. So, there's a couple of ways you can look at this. You can look at... Like, the tangible physical strength of the person Mm -hmm. or just their strength of determination and as much as I'm not a fan of the guy Benjamin Franklin Gates is always determined like he is a character that very clearly has an A and a B and he'll do whatever it takes to get to B no matter how many other letters he has to do to get there I can't deny that he's also pretty strong kidnaps the president 
lifts up that whole picture frame for the Declaration uh-huh. of Independence with it. Like, the guy's pretty strong. He's got a lot going for him at this point. He's pretty strong. But is he emotionally strong? And here we go. Yeah, interesting. And I, I don't think so. I think he's actually no. a kind of a big baby. Isabel, why don't you tell us a bit about John then? How do you think that he measures up? Do you think that he can counter that with emotional strength? It's actually quite hard because we don't really know a lot about the character really from knowing. <laughs> the story is kind of more what gives you his character. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. We get like but, glimpses of it as his past with his like losing his wife yeah. and stuff he did rip a door off though yeah oh he did so, yeah you know that's one part in, in record time as well uh, yeah 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 and not to mention the whiteboard and the whiteboard he ripped oh that okay yes yeah. it's kind of a bit overshadowed by the entire declaration of independence being lifted <laughs> but I, I will I'm, I'm going to allow whiteboard into this we I th- don't know what that whiteboard was made of <laughs> oh and in a film like this there's always twists <laughs> it's a lead whiteboard it was made of alien bone which we all know are so heavy that's a different movie <laughs> Listen, this is a good argument now at this point <laughs> He's, pre- he's pretty determined, like, he knows what he wants out of this. Yeah. But equally, the whole thing is time-sensitive. So that mm. kind of chips a bit off because you sort of have to be determined at that point. Didn't kidnap the president. He though. didn't kidnap the president, exactly. <laughs> Which was also time-sensitive, to be fair. I feel like this is one of those categories is kind of moot because neither show us a huge amount of either. And I think the kind of strengths they do show kind of balance each other out. I'm going to give this one to Benjamin Franklin Gates because yes. he does kidnap the president and he's just, there's like the moments of him kind of showing a bit of physical strength, mm-hmm. pulling himself up ladders and things like that. I would but agree with that. I, again, I feel like that probably could go either way. So let's move in now. And Isabel, you're going to get to go first here and tell me how you think Professor John is agile. Well, the only scene we probably see this in is when he's running through the train crashing. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh, okay, agile. Yeah. We've like, not even brought that up, but yeah. That's a that's a great scene. He manages to not die yeah. pretty well in a couple of times in this. He just like kind of like legs it through and jumps over people and is throwing stuff. And stops the crime. Stops some the crime. Stops the crime. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever steal a handbag? (laughs) (laughs) Would you ever crash a train? But that's pretty agile. That's my... Anything else, I think of nothing for agility in that point. Respect. No, I think that's that's a good one. In the past, agility has sort of somehow transformed somewhat into arrestability. Okay, I Uh, take it a little bit literally, (laughs) did I? No, I mean, that's good. Like, (laughs) he does avoid... That whole scene is him avoiding getting arrested, so you're not wrong. However... Ben Franklin Gates not only steals the Declaration of Independence and kidnaps the president, he gets caught for both and gets away with it. Declaration, he gets some of the money for it. President, he oh, becomes friends with. I hate that guy. Yeah, me too. But I'm, <laughs> listen, I play to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but is that, should that be a win? Because it's not pod- positive, like he's not doing anything good, whereas at least... John Kessler. Is. Well, unfortunately, morals morals don't come into how quick you can be. And based on that, I am going to give this two nil. Professor okay. John gets roasted by the sun. Ben Gates would have dodged it. <laughs> no, he <laughs> no, he would not. He would have just held up the declaration and let it burn. It's instead. bulletproof. <laughs> I do think that Ben Gates would have solved the riddle quicker. He would he would have got the coordinates a lot earlier on. But he, also... he would have he would have made this a swift ninety minute film. Uh, yeah. Maybe. He would have probably got the aliens to take him with them. With that 2000s tech, he would have somehow... Yeah, <laughs> yeah somehow. <laughs> somehow done it. Well, look, it's 2-0 right now to Ben Gates, which means any yeah. of these could could see the end of him. So I'm going to let you go first on the rest of these. And moving on from what you were saying about uh, morals, let's move into likability, because I feel like you've got something here. I think this is an obvious win on my side, because 
Ben Gates is not a great person. Because he sucks. He sucks. He's so arrogant. But for some reason, everyone around him just gravitates towards him. Like, they do whatever he says. He's the glue that holds that ragtag group of friends together. Yeah. What annoys me about him, on the unlikability side, <laughs> he just says really bait facts. Really, like, he knows something that other people don't know. In the second one, when they find the, um, the table, he's like... Oh, yes, that's where they made the sacrifices. But, oh, yeah, his mum's finally found this thing she's most excited about in the world. He's like, yeah, I know about that. I think the best example of that is in the first one where he first meets the lady in it whose character's name I can't remember. Dan. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I can't think off the top of my head, but it's when he mansplains the coins to her. Yes, that was so rude. And she's just like... She clearly knows okay. it's her coin collection. This has been my whole life. <laughs> this is my hobby. I know about it. It's Abigail. It's just so rude. Abigail, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I agree. I personally can't stand the guy. That I've got mm-hmm. a record. You've probably heard me shouting from the other room about mm-hmm. it. But apparently there is something about him. Like, that guy, Riley, is just a slave for him. I think it's more that he gets you into exciting scenarios. So you kind of mm-hmm. get gravitated towards that. And I think it's more, it's less of a likability and more just kind of being along for the ride. But I'm I, I'm on the side that I think you've got this one. I'm going to call this 2-1. Yeah, John Cass is just, he's a nice guy, you know? He's, he's a family dad. man. Well, good dad, he, he is a professor. He's a professor. And... We've got a professor here against... I mean, do we find out, other than Treasure Hunter... Does, does Ben Gates have a profession? No. Lecturer in the second one. He's oh, yeah, giving he's, that lecture, but... He's yeah, that's what I think. Does he maybe become a professor of stealing stuff? <laughs> <laughs> professor, steal your treasure. So maybe, maybe they're a bit more balanced. But let's move into round four, a chance to even things up. And the chance is going to come in the form of appearance. Uh, well, let me just say, neither of them have sideburns, and it really annoyed me. In both movies. <laughs> so hold on, you're you're on the side of sideburns. I'm on the side. Yeah, I'm on the side of neither because they look the same in both movies. You would have loved Bangkok Day <laughs> It's so weird though because his hair is so dark and it's just like plonked on the top of his head. It does look like it's Lego, doesn't it? Yeah, just with this lack of sideburns, it just really freaked me out the whole time. Yeah, I think about three times during watching Knowing that. <laughs> Nil points. So, for both. so tell tell us a little bit about Professor John's appearance. Um, he looks sort of fine he just looks like Nicolas Cage as a dad there's not really much else yeah I'm trying I mean he, he does it in a very believable way he doesn't make himself look overly shit like we had uh-huh. yesterday oh, yeah. he doesn't try and like really and there's something I really love about Cage's acting this he's never trying to be this polished unattainable goal mm. you know what I mean he, he just doesn't seem he doesn't seem bothered about being like a bit of a messy guy and I think it plays into the realistic side of his acting which is mm. quite often not present, so it's nice to be able to have like a visual <laughs> reminder that this is a human. Yeah. I wonder how he dresses outside of work. I've seen some great pictures. I imagine um, how we saw him in Sunny. Oh, oh acid yellow. <laughs> in, I didn't watch that one. Essentially dressed like the, the mask. mask. Like Bo Selector <laughs> doing the mask. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yellow tux. Thing. So Ben Gates, I have described as being very very beige before not only in his personality but in his mm. appearance he he loves a tan suit loves a tan suit loves a smart trouser Ooh. an ill-fitting smart yeah. trouser might I add I'm going to immediately call this and say that this is too all because I think that you've just 
buried him with the tan suit. Yeah, he yeah. loves a tan pan. He, he loves a tan suit. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter if he pulls it off. If he's against someone else wearing a tan suit, fair enough. But it's not a good look. <laughs> so I'm going to call that two all. Okay. Moving into the final category, the tiebreaker of Cage. Ben, do you want to give a short description of what we're expecting here? Yeah. Cage, I think you at this point, you've come to grips with it. But it's uh-huh. sort of moments of... Ex- I think it's the one of the best ways I could think to describe it is acting choices that no one else would have made for better or for worse acting choices that I don't think anyone else would have gone there moments of exceptional any sort of signature moves this is going to sound mean but I think in knowing his acting was too good that there wasn't enough of those moments (laughs) 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 but you know what I mean like he was pretty neutral in this film because he was just doing very good normal acting I do feel like there's those moments where he first meets Diana like we were saying like with his kind of like mm. just really cringy kind of dialogue in return that I just feel like yes. he, he just didn't seem interested in, in being a part of that scene yeah that's true and I feel like that, that was kind of there there's quite a lot of I feel like one of my favourite um, cage moments from this is when he's literally screaming at Diana the caves won't save us. Because <laughs> oh yeah. there's like a whole thing where she's shrieking repeatedly and then he just joins in and no one yells like Cage. Yeah. Mm, that's, true, right. that's true, that's um, true. I've got one word to seal the deal of this competition <laughs> and I think you all know what it is. Haggis! Oh, God. It yeah. is a really, really fantastic moment. That entire that- sequence in Nash 2 is... Wild. That is caged to the max for sure. Yeah, that is like perfect. I think Dan's memorised the whole bit by heart at this point. <laughs> Gosh, it's good. Bubble and squeak. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Bangers else. and mash. There's a lot to it, and I do love it. And I am going to say it's a close one, but I am going to give it three two. Got to be. Yeah. To be honest, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, knowing that John does perish at the end of this film, making it a complete void one. Meaning that for two, in every battle of since Book of Secrets, Cage has faced someone. He is he has literally killed. Them. <laughs> oh my god! You're oh right. God. Let's see if Ben Franklin Gates can take that into tomorrow's game, where he tries to end the life of a guinea pig. Oh god! He has to fight a guinea pig He's tomorrow. Gonna- Kill Speckles. Ben Gates oh, against no. Speckles coming up tomorrow. <laughs> oh, well, we do know Nicolas Cage has a bad relationship with animals. Right, well, let's, um, let's come off the back of that and let's hit you with a little bit of Quizzicless Cage. Oh, and I want to see who was paying attention. So uh, I'm going to do this in a way, instead of giving you individual questions as you're next to each other, I'm going to let you kind of buzz in and see who can get these first, if at all. God, and I've got okay. two for you okay. here. I always forget about this. At, <laughs> at the beginning, when we first see Nick put his son Caleb to bed, we are shown his bedside table showing. And I think, Ben, you may have clocked this a couple of D20s. Oh, I actually that flew completely over my head. Oh, that's a big shame. Are you going to ask me what Nick Cage's character in his D&D campaign is? Because you know it's a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the question, but that, that would have been correct, yes. Um, I was going to ask if you could give me the numbers shown on the two dice. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, let if... me just... Uh, I've got a 1 in 20 chance, so I'm going to leave it up to the dice. He's rolling a dice. 17 and 20. Oh, I got a nat 20 as well. Check nice. it out. You're 50% of the way there. Oh, I'll take wow. it. I'll let you roll one more just to see if we can get through this. Would you like the honest? All right. 16. This is good audio. 16. 16, you say? Uh-huh. That's absolutely right. It was 20 and 10. Oh. 20 and 10, of okay. course. 
Well, I wonder if this was kind to link at uh, the year 2010, where we are told uh, halfway through this, one of the things predicted is an oil spill and some sort of an explosion on the offshore rig. Mm. Uh, and obviously this is in 2009, but you know, the dice don't lie. And in 2010, we were actually shown a real life version of that in the Gulf of Mexico with the BP oil spill. Boy, this is a good podcast. There you go. It's all coming full circle. I think it was actually a little visual metaphor on screen to let you know that the second half of the film is half as good as the first (laughs) half. (laughs) I think that would have just been a 20 and a (laughs) 1. Half is too generous, I think, at that point. Um, All right, we've been recording for a long old period of time now. I had about enough talking about this confusing movie. Before we completely tap out here, I was going to leave you with a little fact about this film because we have we have skipped over a bit, and I think that's fair enough. But I think it would go. Uh, we, we can't really go too much further without announcing the budget that was given to this film. I don't yeah. think I even want to know because the CGI was so good. Yeah, right. Fifty million. No. Is that it? So it's not as much as what we've seen. And but really? I would like to leave you on a little game of higher or lower. How do Ooh. you think this did, and with the worldwide gross here? Uh, I feel like it was so. Neither you nor I, Dan, had heard of this before, which I think it says something. Mm. But you definitely had, and you know a few other people that mm. watched this a bunch. Yeah. So maybe we're maybe we're out of touch after all, Dan. That could be it. Yeah. I would say it did more than fifty million. I think fifty-five. Okay, so, so you think it's a close, a close win? Mm-hmm. I was going to say like yeah, fifty-two. Like it didn't make a lot, but it made its money back at least. So we're going in kind of quietly confident that this isn't, you know, this isn't going to like reset his bank thing here. But he's, he's going to do okay off of this. Okay. Less so by the second. <laughs> I can tell you that this came in at 183 million. Whoa, really? Triple threat. Flipping yeah. out. Absolute success. Wow. I just kind of thought it would be neutral because like... At that time, a lot. Of yeah, I, I don't remember this coming out, so I was just. No, I don't. I don't remember it coming out, but I remember it, watching it after the fact. This but. is one of the films, and a lot of that goes to the CGI in it, in honesty. But this is one of the few films that, uh, during the end sequence, I was like, I would have loved to have seen this in the cinema. Mm-mm. Yeah, I would have loved to have been that angry, surrounded by strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dan, thank you so much for your time, mate. Pleasure as always. Yeah, sure. Looking forward to this guinea pig adventure we've got ahead of us. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> Isabel, thank you for coming on the show. Very That's wonderful right. to have you here. <laughs> and sorry to make you watch uh, knowing again. Well, I've been here every step of the way, so I think just apologising for that is fine. <laughs> thank you for keeping Ben on the straight and narrow through yeah, what we can yeah. really just describe as trying times. Yeah, basically. <laughs> unprecedented. Let me uh, be the first oh to say Oh my it. God. <laughs> Stop <laughs> saying <laughs> unprecedented. <sighs> uh, Nick, you did an okay job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, decent. Well done. I think, especially off the back of what we've been, uh, what we've been fed this last week. Yeah. Well played. Next was... Time. Absolutely well played. And Isabel, as you well know, we end every episode the same way with that catchy, catchy, catch phrase, and I'd love to hear you sing us out. I don't think I know it. What was that? I don't think I know it. You don't think you know it? <laughs> I've been shouting oh. it in the house every day for yeah, 54 I've days. Yeah, i off by that point. Do you, like, I usually put my noise? headphones in because you shout so loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming to fruition now. We're getting the real side of Uncaged. <laughs> yeah. Well, goodbye, everybody. (laughs) I guess that's that. (laughs) 